Okay, so last week we began with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12. And uh, in Deuteronomy chapters 12 to 26, uh, Moses is expounding on different laws and applying it to specific situations, uh, whether it's ceremonial laws or moral laws or civil laws or sundry laws. And last week we saw that he began with the, the worship and he gave us some uh, instructions on worship. And he essentially gave two uh, rules or two uh, exhortations. Uh, firstly, before you can come to the place of worship, uh, you need to destroy all the idols or all the evil uh, influences. And once the idols are destroyed, then you need to go uh, to a chosen place. So there was a lot of emphasis that was placed on going to a specific place uh, as the Israelites to gather at a specific place uh, to offer burnt offerings, uh, sacrifices, and so on, and to eat and rejoice with family and servants, uh, strangers, uh, widows, and Levites. So the worship uh, experience was uh, accompanied by uh, a corporate uh, worship, and it was also a time of rejoicing where people came together and they recognized uh, what God had done for them, and they also offered sacrifices and tithes and free wills and so on. And we also saw that the worship was uh, associated with compassion. So there is a lot of uh, exhortation to be also to be mindful of the needy, uh, like the Levites uh, who were not given a land so they cannot produce uh, any fruit uh, from the land and also to take care of the strangers and widows. Uh, so all of that was wrapped up uh, in the worship uh, experience. And they were also exhorted to follow a complete uh, obedience. And since God is giving uh, specific instructions, uh, the expectation is that the Israelites will follow the, uh, follow the commands uh, completely so that they can enjoy full blessing. And finally, we saw that they should not uh, bring unholy things or practices uh, to a holy place. So the chosen place uh, was supposed to be a place uh, that was separated, that was kept uh, in high regard uh, with full reverence, and it should be a place of worship. But before we can enter that place of worship, uh, we need to destroy the idols uh, in our life. And when we come to the uh, New Testament, we see that the place uh, itself uh, does not matter. Uh, there is no tabernacle or Ark of the Covenant or the temple itself uh, is not required. So the emphasis uh, is not on the physical place. And we also see that uh, in the New Testament, uh, we don't have any sacrifices and the blood uh, is not required. So we are taught that Jesus uh, paid it all uh, when he died on the cross uh, for our sins and he paid it uh, forever and for everyone. So what matters uh, for worship uh, in the New Testament as we are taught uh, is that true worship uh, is possible uh, only when we are born again. So that is the first uh, expectation. And secondly, true worshipers, uh, they are separated from the world or they are separated from the idols. So that is no different from what we learned uh, from Moses, that we need to destroy the idols before we enter the place of worship. Uh, we need to be redeemed uh, before we can start the worship experience. And thirdly, true worship must come uh, from our hearts and not just uh, our lips. Uh, it should be a personal experience. Uh, it should be a sincere uh, expression uh, of our worship uh, to the Lord who is worthy of all of our adoration.
And we also see uh, the true worshipers, they offer themselves uh, as a living sacrifice, uh, as we read in Romans uh, 12.1. And fifthly, the true worshipers, uh, they worship with uh, understanding. So we cannot simply uh, babble some words, or we cannot simply repeat uh, some words or copy worship. Uh, our worship should come not only from our heart, but it should also come with understanding, as we read in Psalm 47, 7, and also worship uh, without works uh, or love uh, is dead. So there should be an element of compassion. So if you're worshiping God, but it is not reflected in our life, uh, then it is not a true worship or we don't have the true understanding. So from here, we'll go to uh, chapter 13. Uh, where Moses uh, is reminding us of some of the distractions uh, to true worship and how we must respond uh, to those uh, distractions. So he touches upon uh, three topics. Uh, he talks about false prophets uh, and dreamers in verses one through five. Then he talks about family and friends and how they can be a distraction uh, to true worship. Uh, then he talks about a city that is uh, under the influence uh, of idol worship and how we could be led astray uh, in those uh, situations. So we'll start with verses uh, one through five, and we can ask the question whether a miracle worker, uh, could they be a false prophet or could they be a false teacher? Okay, so here we see the first uh, danger or the first uh, distraction to true worship. And Moses is touching upon a false prophet or dreamer uh, of dreams. So uh, when we look at verse one, it says, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he giveth a sign and the sign or the wonder uh, come to pass. So it seems like a very positive thing. Uh, you're interacting with a person who's prophesying or who's uh, giving a dream uh, through a sign or a wonder. Uh, which also uh, comes to pass. So you may think that uh, they are men or women of God who are hearing God's voice. And because of that, they are able to forecast what's going to happen in the future. But as we go on to read uh, in verse 2, we see that their teaching uh, is not consistent uh, with the word of God. So it's very important that uh, whenever people are saying something, uh, it may sound good. But uh, if it is not consistent uh, with the word of God, then obviously they could lead us astray. So we should not be deceived by miracles, uh, signs, and outward uh, appearances. And oftentimes uh, people may be attracted to a church uh, because uh, maybe it's a mega church, it's a huge uh, building with thousands of followers, or maybe the preaching is very dynamic or the music is very grand, very professional and they may be doing lots of miracles and so on. But none of these uh, may be uh, from God. And if that is the case, uh, all of this uh, is just a setup uh, by Satan uh, to attract people. And all of these places, uh, even though they, could, they may call themselves as a church, uh, it becomes a trap uh, to attract people and then to lead them astray. So we read in 2 Thessalonians 2.9 2, that even false prophets uh, can do wonders. And by doing wonders and miracles, uh, they are able to attract people. Uh, in the same way churches today, uh, they have come up with uh, different ways uh, to attract people, or they have started bringing world 
uh, into the church uh, in order to attract people. But at the end, all of these uh, become traps and they take us uh, away from God and they take us away from true worship. So that is what Moses is warning us about. And as we read in Acts chapter 17, uh, like variants, uh, we must also verify what we are hearing. We might be sitting in a church and the message might be sounding good, but if it is not consistent uh, with the word of God, then obviously that is not good. And here the Lord is reminding them that this is only a test uh, to prove uh, whether they would go astray uh, when they are tempted uh, in these uh, situations. So oftentimes uh, we might also face tests, uh, tests of our faith. Uh, we might be put in situations uh, where we are confronted with different things to see uh, whether we will hold on to our faith or whether we would also fall into those traps and be led astray. So the counsel of God, uh, as we read here, is that we should not pay attention uh, to the words uh, of such prophets, because even though they are doing great things, uh, what they are teaching is not consistent uh, with the word of God. And we need to cleave uh, to the Lord. Uh, we need to fear him. Uh, we need to obey him and we need to serve him. So the response, uh, the right response uh, to such miracle workers uh, is to simply reject them or to simply walk away, as we read in verse 3. And the sin of false prophets, uh, it may take different shapes, uh, it may take uh, different forms, but at the end, as we read in verse 5, uh, they turn God's people uh, away from God. So they may use uh, different ways of attracting people. Uh, it could be miracles, uh, it could be signs and wonders and something else. But the uh, end purpose or the end final outcome is that when people are fall into those traps, uh, they, they go away from God, they are led astray uh, from God. So that is the sin of false prophet. And we are told uh, what is the punishment for that in verse uh, 5. And it says, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams uh, shall be uh, put to death. So here again, uh, it goes back to the same uh, principle uh, as we uh, saw in chapter 12. Uh, before we can prepare ourselves for worship, uh, anything that is distracting us uh, should be uh, put to death. So in this case, uh, the person who is uh, leading them astray should also be put to death. Uh, any kind of influence uh, should be put to death. And in Exodus 22, 20, it says, he that sacrifices unto any God, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Uh, again, the destruction is uh, complete. So there should be no trace of that element uh, in our worship experience. The Lord is looking for 100% worship uh, from true worshipers. So any sin or any weight uh, that takes us away from God is idolatry and that must be put to death if you want to enter uh, into a true worship experience. And in Hebrews 12.1, uh, Paul reminds us that we should lay aside uh, every weight and every sin, and we need to run with patience uh, the race uh, that is set before us. So sin and weight could be uh, misplaced uh, priorities in our life, which take us away from God, which take us away from 
worship experience and it becomes an idol in our life. Okay, so uh, when we talk about prophet, we know that a true prophet, uh, they would communicate uh, God's message. Uh, as we read about Moses in Exodus 34 and 34, uh, Moses uh, spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And that is what we are reading in the book of Deuteronomy also. Uh, Moses is hearing from God and he is conveying that uh, back to the people. So he's simply communicating God's message. Uh, he's not speaking uh, anything on his own. Uh, he's simply a messenger of God. So that makes him uh, a true uh, prophet. And we also read in 1 Corinthians 14.3 that uh, prophecy is not always uh, about the future. Uh, so we read that he that prophesieth uh, speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So a true prophet, they would communicate God's message. And we also see that a true prophet, they would edify, they would exhort, and they would comfort. But if it's a false prophet, uh, they would speak. Uh, before hearing from God, or they would twist uh, the word of God, or they would communicate uh, only part of the message, or they would edit the word of God before they communicate uh, with people. And we are warned uh, several times uh, in the scripture against false teachings. So in 1 John 4, 1, it says, believe not uh, every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And Moses is warning us that false teachings will take us away from God. Uh, it will take us away from the true worship uh, experience. And as we saw in Acts 17, uh, the Bereans, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched uh, the scriptures uh, daily, whether those things were so. So if you're hearing, if, if the only time we are hearing the word of God uh, is on Sunday, then obviously... Uh, we may not uh, know what is in the scriptures, but like the Berean believers, uh, we also need to simultaneously search uh, the scriptures uh, to make sure that what we are hearing is consistent uh, with the word of God. And But prophecy itself is one of the gifts as we read. Uh, so we should not uh, dismiss it as something uh, irrelevant or false or something that is non-existent. But we need to prove uh, whatever we are hearing, and we need to hold fast uh, to that which is good, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. But there are very uh, common and dangerous uh, false teachings that we see uh, in the world. Uh, we hear people talking about no help, where they focus on God's love, and they completely ignore uh, God's justice, or they may completely deny the gospel truth, which is the virgin birth of Christ, his death on the cross, uh, his resurrection and second coming. Or they may say that uh, in order to enter heaven or to receive salvation, uh, there needs to be works uh, in addition to faith. Or they may teach there are multiple ways uh, to reach uh, God. Or they may say that since God's grace uh, is available, uh, we can live a life of compromise and sin. Because uh, as the Bible says, where, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So we can take that verse out of context and give people the freedom to sin. But obviously, that is not what Paul was saying. And they may say Bible is not the complete uh, revelation. So they may add their own words 
or they may twist the words or they may expand what is given based on their knowledge. Or they may preach that salvation can be lost and prosperity gospel and much more. So there is a lot of uh, false teachings uh, that is going on in the world. And Moses is exhorting us, uh, even in Deuteronomy, that false teachers and prophets can take us away from God. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, it speaks about false prophets uh, in great detail. Uh, and, and it gives us some attributes of them, uh, that they scatter the sheep instead of feeding them. They lack holiness. They commit adultery and walk in lies. lies. They speak their own vision, which means uh, they're not really hearing from God. They are simply speaking their words and they are sugarcoating the message. Uh, they might be speaking of peace and no judgment and they are not really sent by God. So they are simply giving their message. And at the end, they're leading uh, people astray and God will hold them accountable. And here also Moses is telling that they would lead uh, people astray and the way to deal with them uh, is to put them uh, to death. You can also read 2 Peter 2, where again, it speaks about false prophets and again, false teachers. And again, the ending is the same. Uh, they would be judged and they would be destroyed. And the second question that uh, Mo Moses touches upon in Deuteronomy 13 is whether our families and our friends, uh, if they can lead us away uh, from God, if they can lead us away from a true worship experience. So we'll read uh, 6 through 11. Yeah, so in verses 1 to 5, we saw false prophets uh, who used uh, signs and wonders to draw people away from God. And in verses 6 to 11, we see uh, the relationships that we have in this world, uh, which could be an emotional uh, connection. And we are warned that th such uh, connections can also take us away from God. So the outcome is the same. Uh, they are saying, let us go and serve other gods, which is exactly what the false teachers also said. Let us go and serve uh, other gods. So that is the danger uh, of family and friends, where they may tempt us uh, to go away from the true God and to serve other gods. And we are also told how we should respond and what should be the punishment. And in verse 8, uh, we are told we should not consent or we should not agree or hear what they are saying. And we should not uh, encourage or we should not show pity uh, to them. Uh, despite the connections that we have as a family and as a friend. But if what they are saying is not consistent uh, with the word of God, uh, we need to simply reject it. But here uh, we are told to go one step ahead and uh, the punishment uh, is to kill them. And more than that, uh, it is saying that uh, you should cast uh, the first uh, stone. So obviously uh, in today's uh, world, uh, we cannot simply uh, go and kill people who tell us to serve uh, other gods. But we are exhorted that when we uh, when we discern uh, that people are leading us astray, uh, we need to uh, separate ourselves uh, from such uh, relationships uh, so that we are not tempted uh, by them uh, to go and serve other gods. The reasoning is the same uh, as we are told in verse 10. Uh, we need to kill them because they try to take you away from God uh, who brought you out of the land of bondage. And that was the same thing uh, said uh, about the false prophets. 
uh, they were taking the children of God away from God who brought them uh, out of the land of bondage. And also the extreme uh, punishment uh, would be like a deterrence uh, to others. Uh, it will put fear in others uh, not to lead uh, the people of Israel astray uh, because the consequence uh, would be death, uh, which is the ultimate punishment. So family and peer pressure, uh, obviously it's not easy to overcome because we have emotional connections uh, with our family and the same thing could be true. Uh, we might be very close uh, to our friends and oftentimes uh, it may not be easy uh, to say no. So we may fall into that trap where they lead us uh, gently astray uh, from worshiping uh, a true God. Uh, but obviously we must overcome uh, such pressures and our love for God must, must exceed uh, the love that we have for our family and friends. So in Matthew chapter 10, uh, 36, 37, it says, and a man's uh, force uh, shall be they of his own household. So even Jesus uh, is recognizing that uh, there could be tension uh, within our own inner circle or even within our own family. Uh, and he goes on to say that he that loveth father or mother more than me uh, is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So obviously Jesus uh, is not dismissing family. Uh, family is something that was uh, instituted by God. But what he is saying is that our love for our family uh, cannot exceed uh, the love that we have for him. So whoever loves family more than me uh, is not worthy of me. So that is the cost of discipleship, uh, which the Lord calls each one of us to. And in terms of peer pressure and friends, uh, obviously we must live a separated life uh, from this world uh, so that we are not influenced by the worldly wisdom of unbelievers. So that's the second group uh, that Moses uh, is recognizing here. Uh, our family and our friends, uh, they can separate us from God and they can take us away from true worship experience that God wants us to enjoy. And in verses 12 to 18, uh, we see uh, the question, can an entire city uh, be seduced uh, into idol worship and how we must respond? Okay, so here again, uh, the temptation is the same or the uh, being led astray is the same where certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their cities saying, let us go and serve other gods. So just like the false teachers were uh, persuading to serve other gods, uh, just like family and friends were persuading to let us go and serve other gods, uh, in this section, we see uh, certain men uh, are doing the same things. So the sin uh, is the same, uh, which is to go and serve other gods. And we are told uh, what should be our response and what should be the punishment uh, that should be or action that should be taken uh, in this situation. So firstly, uh, before we uh, hand out the punishment or before we judge, uh, we are told in verse 14 that we should inquire whether what we are hearing is actually true. So that's a good step to take uh, before we make take an action or before we pass justice. 
uh, it's important to know uh, what is the truth and what is the reality and what are the facts uh, before we make a decision. So, so if it is true, then we are told that we should destroy the city and the inhabitants. We should burn the city and the spoils. And furthermore, the city uh, shall not be built again. And we should not take uh, any of the goods uh, that we plunder or that we destroy uh, in the city. So this should not be used as an excuse uh, to destroy the cities and to take away their goods. But here, uh, if they are guilty of leading people astray, uh, then we are told that we should inquire if it is the truth, then we should burn that city and completely destroy it. And when we do that, the Lord's anger will turn to mercy and we will get back to get back to enjoying the blessings that God had promised according to his uh, covenant promise. So that is the uh, final thought that Moses is giving uh, in Deuteronomy 13, uh, that he is bringing us back uh, to the commandments. He is bringing us back uh, to obeying the Lord uh, fully and not to be tempted by different influences that we see in this world and to do what is right uh, in the eyes of the Lord thy God. So that is uh, that should be our goal, and that should what that is what we should be striving for, uh, to do what is right uh, in the eyes of the Lord. And when we do that, uh, we would also enjoy God's blessings. So we'll just take a few minutes. Uh, we had a question about uh, from chapter twelve about God's uh, chosen place uh, where Moses exhorted them that once they uh, enter the promised land, uh, they need to go to a chosen place uh, where they would offer their, where they would set up the tabernacle, where they would set up the Ark of the Covenant, and that is where the worship and all the sacrifices uh, will take place. So obviously uh, that was a place of significance uh, because that was the first uh, resting place uh, for the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they were carrying the ark. But here, once they entered the promised land, uh, they were asked to set up a tabernacle and put the ark of the covenant inside and make it a place of worship. And in Joshua chapter 18 and verse 1 that we read last week, uh, that is where uh, the tabernacle was set up. It says, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tab tabernacle uh, of the congregation there. So we know that that was the place where the initial uh, tabernacle was set up, and that is where they must have placed uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, that Moses built when God told him to build an ark uh, when the Ten Commandments were given the second time. And we also read in Judges uh, 21, 19, then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh, uh, yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Lebanon. So we know that many of the sacrifices, uh, many of the festivals were held uh, once a year. And in Judges 21, we are told that place is Shiloh. And we also read in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Eli was the high priest uh, in Shiloh. 
And that was also the place where Hannah offered her prayer for Samuel. And that is also the place where Samuel was brought back uh, after he was weaned. And as we uh, read on in the scriptures, we see that the Ark of the Covenant was taken from Shiloh uh, to fight the uh, Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, 3 and 4. And the Philistines, they captured the Ark. And in that fight, uh, we see that uh, Eli's sons, they die, and also uh, 30,000 uh, Israelites. So that we read in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, 10 through 17. And we also see in that chapter that Samuel dies uh, when he hears that news, that the ark uh, has been captured and uh, many Israelites are dead. So maybe on hearing the news of ark being taken away, uh, maybe he's saddened and he uh, dies at that point. And later on in 2 Samuel 6, we see that David uh, brings the ark uh, back to Jerusalem. So after that, uh, we don't really know what happened to that place, uh, Shiloh. Uh, we are not given uh, any final uh, resolution. Uh, but in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 12, we are told uh, God is judging the people of Israel uh, because of their wickedness. Uh, so we read in Jeremiah 7, 12, But go ye now unto my place, uh, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did uh, to it uh, for the wickedness of my people Israel. So we see that God uh, was judging the people of Israel uh, because of their wickedness. And because of that, uh, the ark was taken away. And we also see that the place itself uh, was destroyed. And of course, uh, Shiloh uh, as a place, uh, it has value uh, only because of the ark. But if you take away the ark, then obviously then it is simply a building or it is simply a tent uh, with nothing inside. So maybe that's why nothing much is mentioned uh, once the ark is taken away from Shiloh. So the common belief is that it was destroyed by Philistines around 1050 BC. And after Shiloh, we have the first uh, temple that was built by Solomon in Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And we read that uh, in Second uh, Chronicles 3.1, it says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David, his father, uh, in the place that David had prepared uh, in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And this was also the same place uh, where uh, Isaac was offered or uh, Abraham uh, was asked to offer Isaac, and he was willing to do that. So Genesis uh, chapter 22 and verse 2, it says, uh, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And it is also the same place uh, where David uh, bought the threshing floor uh, in Moriah, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse uh, 24. So that's a little bit on uh, Shiloh. So, uh, so the question that we had was whether the temple was built uh, in the same place as Shiloh or it was a different place, uh, but looks like uh, maybe it was nearby, but it was definitely a different place and definitely a different name because Shiloh was destroyed by the time the first 
uh, temple was built. And as we saw in the book of Daniel, the first uh, temple was later on destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Then later on, the temple was again built uh, the second time. So we'll close here from chapter uh, 13. So in chapter 13, uh, Moses is reminding us that we need to remain uh, focused on true worship and we should not be distracted or we should not be led astray by false teachings. We should not be led astray by family and friends and we should not be led, as led astray uh, even if the entire city uh, is worshiping idols. Uh, we should still stand strong uh, in our faith. Uh, we should still st stay strong and faithful uh, to the word that we have received. So there might be laws that are passed uh, in a city or in a country which are inconsistent with the word of God. But as believers, uh, we need to remain true uh, to the word of God, uh, no matter what the cost is. And we should have the convictions about what is right. And when we do that, our worship would be true and it would be meaningful.